Hello and welcome to Ribbon of Memes episode 118. I am Nick and I am the original um, originator of this podcast and I'm joined as ever by Roger. Who is of course the, the true originator of this podcast and what, what, what have you been doing to yourself anyway? <laughs> are you talking about I'm the original? We are discussing um, 19, no, not 1990, 2020? 2009. 2009, goodness me. Time, time is difficult, um, when you're a clone. And that will be a spoiler for Moon. Um, uh, uh, this will be a very spoilerific one. It's actually, Moon is, reveals its secrets relatively early in the film, but, um, don't listen if you want to know any, don't want to know any more about it. Um, Moon, um, Sam is a um, basically a supervisor of robots on the moon. Yes, on his own on the moon. Because that's the sort of state you want to be in for a three-year hitch. It's not going to mess with the psychology at all. So Sam, is, uh, this is a film directed by Duncan Jones, um, a.k.a. David Bowie's son. And G- given that most people knew, he's, he's done his best to play it down, if I'm being fair. Yes. And this was his, this is debut shot on a I, bit. Yeah, I, th- I think he'd done a, done a bit of short film before this, but this, this was certainly the first feature. Um, shot on a very small budget, not like primer level budget, but it was in the single digit millions, I believe. Not, not a lot anyway. Uh, and yeah, we have Sam, um, uh, played by Sam, Sam Rockwell, um, he must be a ribbon of memes in London, I can't. Uh, yeah, the only one is a bit like a few years after this, uh, the, the cop in Three Billboards. Oh, of course, yes, I knew. Where? Ra- racist violent cop as opposed to dying of cancer cop. Yes, that's right. Not the, uh, um, which we liked very much and we liked mm-hmm. Sam Rutwell in it very much. Yeah. Um, he's one of those actors that, I, for me, tends to improve, much like Francis McDormand, um, tends to improve any film that they're in. Um, I think mm. I first saw him in Galaxy Quest, which is probably where most people first saw him. Yeah, I, I don't think I've seen him in many things, but uh, certainly works here. So he, and it, uh, it's worth dwelling, well, on him, because it's basically a solo perform. Well, not quite. Um, there, there's a surprisingly large credited cast, but a lot of them only show up on screens or right at the end. Yes, we have the voice of Kevin Spacey, um, before the fall. I don't know whether he's risen again or not. He's, he's been officially rehabilitated now. He has. I think he's starting to repair things again now. But he is the voice of the robotic... Um, this is um, uh, this is the chunky, 80s-style, yeah. alien-esque um, sci-fi team. I, uh, I, I would say, in terms of visual influence, probably Silent Running is, is the clearest for me for that. Yes. Those classic uh, two-legged droids on that. Yes, I mean it's this style of kind of uh, kind of NASA-esque, semi-realistic, but big, chunky uh, computer monitors, all with kind of uh, running, kind of big, low-pixel style graphics. Like you you press actual buttons; you don't touch things on a touch screen. Exactly. There's no uh, there's no high-res kind of touchscreen buttons here. Um, and Sam has approaching the end of his three-year stint on the moon. And, you know, OK, so so the uh, communications haven't been working right, right, and he's only had recorded messages rather than live, but uh, I'm sure they'll fix it sometime soon. Yes, and um, then, he, uh, then he starts having trouble. He starts hallucinating. 
um, various different things. But on, on one of his, I mean, his job is, is basically a maintenance guy to do the stuff that's too menial for the robots to do as far as I can tell. Well, yeah, he, what, what we don't have, and it, it's, I'll, I'll come back to why this is significant. Um, basically, there, there are the harvesters that are grinding up uh, lunar regolith uh, in search of helium-3. Yes, which is the magic energy source which is supplies... I'll come back to that too. Yes, I'm sure you will. <laughs> but um, basically, but basically we, we, ha- we, ha- we have these harvesters going out and doing stuff. Um, but when something goes more than trivially wrong with them, he has to go and fix it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the... the um, Basically, the base AI, to, to summarise, um, is very effective in the base. It, it has, you know, the, the, the screen for talking to people and two separate manipulators that can go about on their own. Yes. It, it's a rather, rather neat rail system. It, but it can get through the entire base, but because it is, is on that rail system, not walking around on legs or wheels or something, it can't go outside. Yes. Uh, again, I mean, it's... It... Should be able to realistically. Well, yeah, there, there's a thing I want to come back to on this. Yes. but let's leave it. For I, now. I also feel, you know, talking about Kevin Spaces, Spaces, is it um, Gracie? What's it called? Groby, Groby, Gertie, Gertie. Um, I feel like there's a real bait and switch here because there's a lot of echoes of Hell Nine Thousand here, mm. and you're kind of, and there's clearly something going on behind Sam's back. You know, even from quite early on, we know that. And so I feel like you're set up to think, "Uh uh-oh, he's an evil AI and he's going to ruin it. It turns out that's not quite the case. Yeah, Um, and it's not even the thing that I think anybody who's lived through 2023 would assume that it's evil because it obeys the company directives before Sam's directives. (laughs) directives. <laughs> yes, exactly. Which you would think the company would set it up to do. You would think, well... The, the thing that struck me is that it's really sm- much smarter than it needs to be for, 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 the, for the role. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just supposed to be... Uh, yeah, I mean, you, we could use current level AI to do that job, even including, you know, keeping sound company properly. <laughs> anyway, the point is Sam uh, heads out to a, a crashed uh, or a, a malfunctioning um, grinder, not grinder. Oh, harvester, that's <laughs> Harvester, thank you. Um, hallucinates and crashes into it um, in his lunar buggy. And the next we understand he is waking up uh, on a slab, having been unconscious for some time. Uh, but spoiler, this isn't the sound that we saw in the crash. This is an awakened clone of Sam, as it slowly becomes apparent, as this clone goes out to find uh, the original crashed Sam, well, not the original, but we'll come back to that, uh, to find the original crashed Sam in his uh, lunar rover um, and rescues him back. So now we have two Sams, one who is clearly... And this is never... What I appreciate about the film is this is never heavily explained, but he's clearly undergoing some replicant style um, approaching his incept date and everything's just going to stop working. Mm. What I also like about it is, you know, his symptoms are those of effectively radiation poisoning, which is what would happen if your bone marrow just stopped working, which is mm. probably how it's it's gone about. Um, so uh, we now have two Sams. We have a, a young, strong, fit Sam and then an older, wiser... Uh, but- Breaking down, <laughs> but uh, but slowly dying. Sound and and I think to be fair, the, the, this this middle act is really the meat of the film. Yes, it, it, the two of them a coming to terms with okay, you know the same stuff I know, and then 
And uh, there, there's one bit where um, you know, old, old Sam says to young Sam, "Yeah, you were kind of an asshole to your wife. You, you need this is a good posting for you. You need to work through it." And we can see there is, a, you know, he's, he's he is calm or he's less. It's hard to know whether that's just because he's, he's not feeling very well. But there is a difference between. Mm. Them. Um, and I, I also like, you know, the reveal of the fact that they're clones. It is. It's kind of gently done. They both kind of know it very quickly. They won't confront it. You know, they sort of avoid each other for a while until it's kind of sadly said, you know, am I, am I a clone? You know, he just asks, goes, yeah, right, am I a clone in the end? And it's, it is. And, and older Sam can hold on to that a bit, a bit longer. He can at least claim that he thinks he's the original. Yes. But as we see, there's no reason why he should assume that any more than New Sam should. And it, it dawns on them. But it is not a huge moment of, uh, uh, this is the sixth sense twist at the end. It is just sort of clear to them because they know how it works. Mm. And I, I like that. And it might be this sort of thing that is why, and I'm sure we'll come on to this, why he's talked about as kind of hard SF because it doesn't, it doesn't talk down to you. It doesn't over explain. Um, it just you understand what's happening. You're an intelligent audience member, and you know you, you figure it out. They figure it out. We're all uh, and it, 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 uh, just to carry on with the um, plot summary, uh, they they work out that yeah, you you, you aren't going to go home. Um, I th- I thought it was perhaps a little ambiguous exactly what was happening, but I wrote it down in my notes as flash promotion. Uh, <laughs> that was my assumption. There's a bit of dust. They get in a. A coffin that I, I don't know, but yeah, there, there's a bit of like ash at the side of it. There's a big mm-hmm. flash. They're not in it anymore after that. So yes, and, and the new clone gets woken up and told, "Congratulations, you've started your three year shift. You'll, you'll be seeing all your friends again in, in that time." Oh, by the way, the live satellite link's broken down. Uh, yes. Um, and yeah, so okay, th- this is where I read comments saying this is a hard science fiction film, and it struck me that this is a a, a Hollywood hard science fiction film, yeah. Because there are lots of bits that don't work on a technical level. Yes, I mean, there's like um, us being us, being that you know, straight away when you're presented with an interesting concept, you want to explore because we covered it from a kind of more literary base. That okay, well, the books I've read about this, they explore it from every angle possible, and they mm-hmm. explain what's this and what's that. The minute you try and explore this from a number of different angles, that the whole concept kind of falls down quite quickly. I think. Yeah, a lot um, of it doesn't work. So, you know, this is one of the failure modes of the system, which you would have thought they would have dealt with. You know, some the, the guy is outside the base; he he um, crashes into into the rover in such a way that the harvester, right, sorry, stops working reliably. Yes. And now you have a body out there. So what? What? And so at this point, what we see here is you have to call in a rescue team from somewhere else. Yes, which is perhaps not ideal um, because. What I think a, a hard science fiction, as I see it, story would try to do is convince you that this does actually make economic sense, that it is cheaper to clone this guy repeatedly, um, insert the memories of how to do the procedures and so on, than pay than to someone. actually shift people up and down. Maybe it is because wages, are, I don't know, yeah, maybe workers' wages have become so ridiculously high that they can't afford to work. It, it's sort of implied in the film that, you know, the original Sam is still alive with his wife on Earth, mm-hmm. because you hear him. And I, I guess the assumption is he probably got paid a lump sum for being allowed to do this, and then he's like, well, maybe he doesn't quite think through the implications. Yeah, the, the way I see it, the, the um, 
the co- the costs associated with doing it this way are just high. You know, all, all this clone building facility, well, e- so even if they're using local materials. Well, as you said, I mean, he has an accident outside. They have to ha- send in. What if he trips and breaks his neck? What if he gets caught in an airlock? What if he loses an arm uh, and dies? When you wake up the other clone, there's a body there. So you well, if it's inside, if it's inside, then Gertie can clear it away. Well, hopefully. What if he's trapped half in and half out? There's just a number of ways that it could go wrong. Mm. There is, all, you know, another. The, the thing is, if if it's a cost saving, then the number of situations in which you have to send in the rescue team will wipe out that cost saving. Yeah, maybe that happens one in ten clones, but we are uh, we don't know. But there's an implication. We see a glimpse of, you know, at least a score. The implication is there's hundreds, if not thousands, of these clones. Well, is this company thinking 300 years into the future? I, I don't. That, that's not the capitalism I know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so this, to uh, surely there is a cost implicit in keeping. 300 clones, for instance, I don't know how many, in suspended animation mm-hmm. for... Uh, that, that that you could actually fix relatively easily because you, you could show effectively the processing pipeline that is going from you know, lunar minerals and three three packets of water brought up from Earth to let, let us now grow an embryo of a human body. Yeah, and surely that would be more economic than we have all these clones fully grown, ready to go, uh, I, I, so that starts to break down. The, um, Another thing that we find out about is that the reason the satellite isn't working is because of jammers, great big jammers built all around the base. Yeah. And, okay, you know, I'm a, I'm a software guy. I would just tell the satellite, which I own and have root access <laughs> to, um, claim, claim to the guys on the ground that uh, yeah. the live link isn't working. And we'll use Drop the same back channel when we when we actually have to talk. So, that, yes, yeah. the Jammer thing doesn't make a lot of sense either. Uh, the fact that, you know, he, the older Sam, sorry, the younger Sam finally escapes by sticking himself in with the Helium-3 that is getting launched to Earth. So now what, we have... What we've seen is pods that size of fire extinguisher or something like that, and one of, one of those is, big, is enough to justify a shipment, but somehow these are wrapped up into a framework that a human can get inside with a pressure suit. Exactly. There is a, quite a difference between a craft that can support human life, you know, acceleration, oxygen. Well, he, 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 being fair, he has got a spacesuit, so some of that is solved. But yeah, well, yes, but how long? I mean, it's supposed to be a three-day trip. Has he got a spacesuit? The, the point that you know, a human-capable craft is very different to a craft that's got a lump of mineral. In that, it. There is no reason not to use several hundred g's of acceleration. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So that. Yeah, and that's so. Or, or indeed to have a re-entry profile that doesn't use several hundred g's of acceleration. Exactly, yeah. The I more mean, acceleration you can take, the faster you get through the heating zone. It may be, you know, <laughs> this thermal considerations for, you know, this lump of, well, what, does helium-3 work as a magic mineral that, that fixes everything? On okay, it? now you know this has been, I, this has been in the back of my mind since it's episode one, Roger's Nuclear Corner. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, this this is actually it, it dates the thing quite interestingly because uh, helium three as a fusion fuel was a big thing in the mid to late nineties. Okay. If you have a look at uh, Transhuman Space, Steve Jackson Games um, setting that started coming out in two thousand and two, it's a big thing there. Right. Um, the difficulty is that uh, a helium three nucleus is plus two charged. Whereas a deuterium nucleus is only plus one charged. Okay. 
Uh, so it needs even higher temperatures than deuterium-deuterium fusion. Okay. Uh, you, you can do a hybrid one deuterium-helium, but even that's harder than plain deuterium. And plain deuterium fusion is still 30, 20, 30 years away from power generation, same as it was in the 1960s. <laughs> but the, basically, if you could do helium-3 fusion, you could probably do deuterium fusion much more easily then. And, it, and there is a lot of deuterium available uh, well, that, yeah, that you can get from jump, effectively filtering out of seawater. Yes. Uh, that you don't need, you don't need the big space infrastructure to do. And by the time you have the big space infrastructure, you've probably got something else as well, like effing huge solar power satellites. <laughs> so it, 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 it would look briefly like an interesting idea, but it breaks down when you start doing the serious development on it. In short. And then, I mean, I, I feel like nitpicking makes it sound like we hate the film, and that is not true. I really enjoy it. Mm. Um, but, I enjoy nitpicking as well. With this, this <laughs> part of the reason I'm a nerd is I enjoy thinking through these ideas and, and picking out what works and what doesn't. So I have to slightly restrain myself from like, well, this wouldn't work, this one. But it, it's a symptom of the fact that I'm interested in the idea and it gripped me. I, I just become a little disappointed when it's clear. For you know, Kevin Spacey's character, as we've touched on, why would you have an AI there? That is more responsible. You know, the, the company's why, built why, why, why do you have yeah, this thing. Something that can specifically be persuaded by Sam. Your first priority is to is to look after me. Therefore, you should do what I say, as opposed to what the company says. Yeah, I mean, you, Directive you, Four is classified. <laughs> you don't. You're in charge of the morals of this being. You don't have to give it. And you're a capitalist company. You're clearly. I mean, this is a company. In the um, in the spirit of Wayland Utani from Alien and um, uh, the you know the, the companies in Blade Runner, they, they are not supposed to be companies that are going to think let's make a nice fluffy AI that is very friendly to everyone. One, one thing that struck me was um, we, we've got this one one of the points one of the Sams looks back over the records and he sees you know all the Sams have been starting to break down a bit, getting yes. coughs, whatever. Um, shortly before the hitch was up, and I started thinking, well, there, there are some obvious failure modes, like, for example, you hallucinate and crash into the harvester. <laughs> exactly, um, yes. Maybe just finish it before that. Maybe, maybe you, if, if for some reason you have this three-year deadline and you can't avoid it because your cloning technology is semi-rubbish, fair enough, um, make it a two-and-a-half-year two shift. Exactly, yes. <laughs> uh, it seems to be predictable enough that they can get in just to the end of the three-year thing. So, yes. I mean, it, all right, you could argue profit margin, but you know, here are the downsides, which we see. They've got 300 clones in the cell, and they'll be all right. Well, they've already <laughs> shipped them up to the moon. Right the, the, there's a whole thing about, you know, at the very last moment, as the rescue, supposed rescue team is, is just about to land and come in and do stuff, he has to go out and sort out the harvesters to uh, destroy the jamming antennae. Yes. Why? Why does it matter that, that, that they should re-establish the live link? Old Sam is going to be dead. Young Sam is going to be gone in the Helium 3 shipment. New Sam, whom they leave behind to make it look convincing, I don't, well, this is another has one no I'm... idea that there's anything weird going on anyway. So they need a body to go in the harvester. So to get this body, they wake up one of the... Why wake him up, you bastards? Wake him up to kill him. Just don't wake him up. Just just turn off his oxygen for a bit and then put him in the harvester. But this poor bastard wakes up and, and, and suddenly facing these space assassins or clean up enforcers or whatever they are and is right up shit creek. Yeah, we, we don't, we don't see them very much. I mean, I, 
I think there are only really two shots. In, in one, they're coming in through the base and saying, hey, Sam, we're here to help. Yeah. Uh, in the other one, when they're going into the actual harvester, uh, they're definitely going in um, pointing guns with lights on them first. So, uh, yeah, that, I think that, we, we But, but it, it's rather nice that we never really get more or more often than that. I mean, yes, oh, yeah, they're, they're, really they're the company cleanup team and they're, and they're going to clean up one way or another. If, if uh, you know, if Sam is sitting there being happy, well, they'll leave him to be happy. But I suppose what, because we, we focused on the, and because we were told this was a hard science fiction film, we kind of focused on the, well this doesn't work, why don't they just stow away on their ship or whatever, you know, um, mm. but really that's, that's not what the film is. The film is about coming to terms it, with... It's about Sam's story, both it's of them. Sam, yes, and him, what I, so going to the sort of the meat of the film, uh, what I really liked and what I love about Sam Rockwell's performance is they're the same character, but they're different. We're, for instance, he managed just to ring out two different emotional reactions that are subtly different, but the same thing, from his character seeing the actual, you know, his daughter grown up, or what he thinks of his daughter. Mm. We get one version of it with old Sam seeing it um, on the laptop in the in the rover, um, and he reacts, you know, he's very emotional. And then we get um, new Sam reacting in the same way, um, when he sees what Old Sam was watching and plays it back. And, you know, he gives a different visceral emotion reaction both times. And it's, you know, it moves me in different ways both times. And that, mm. that's really what the film is about. It's this Absolutely. human story. I, I suspect when Hollywood says hard science fiction, they mean it doesn't have, you know, pew-pew and spaceships go explode. <laughs> yes, it's not space opera, but that doesn't mean it's hard science fiction. Mm. But it, I, I think as a performance and how you react with yourselves and how you can, how you can be an asshole and then you can step back and see what you're like and and it's not particularly heavy-handed with that it's, it's nicely underplayed i like the way they're kind of avoiding each other uh and then coming to they sort of become friends uh, mm. it's, it's sort of him learning to like himself I don't want to be too artsy about that. You know, well, I, I think that's deliberately there. Yes. And be, being artsy about it is part of the point. Yes, yeah. I, which, which, again, is a distinction from classic hard SF, which had no time for capture at all. <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, there's, yes, the, the paper-thin uh, character ciphers in a lot of them. Arthur C. Clarke's work and Asimov's work. But here... It's, so um, somebody to car- cam- carry the camera so that the reader is in the right place to experience the sense of wonder. Well, yeah, so for hard SF, you know, the the... The thing would be, let's explore this cloning technology. What does it? And the, you know, the best science fiction does see how does that impact on people and then, but it's not. Uh, it it takes it to its logical extreme and says this is how people react. Whereas here, it's it's kind of set up to create this dynamic, and and that's why it's a bit artificial. Yeah, and it, it has to be one guy so that we can have the replacement and him waking up and not seeing anything wrong. Yeah, a, a vaguely rational long-term mission would have maybe six, I think six people is the usual thing they say for a, for a minimum uh, Mars mission or something like that, which would be slightly shorter than this. Yes. Um, but, but you couldn't do that on this because you would have to replace them either all at once or, yeah. It, it, it doesn't stand up to it. There's so many things that could go wrong. It's a miracle they got through, I guess it's implied five clones already before they got Something like that. I don't think it's ever precisely stated. I, I think the, in, the clue is that the, the daughter is 15 years old. And yeah, okay. So we, we know. Where, whereas she was just born when he originally yeah, left. Yeah, so that's where I got to my five from, but, um. Mm, yeah, uh, fair enough. Uh, but it's, it's, uh, it's a as far as Sam Rockwell goes, an incredible form. Kevin Spacey is is nicely 
kind of menacing, but then turns out to be uh, caring. And I think he plays it very nicely. As I, well. I think there's a very good bit of visual design uh, where where the robot the main terminal of Gertie ha- has this little screen which shows emoticons. Yes, exactly. Yes, and then, or facial expressions rather. Yeah, but they were yeah as. The, uh, I guess we did have a meeting, yeah, we had plenty of them. But yes, it's a, I, it's a, I, I was gripped by it. Um, I really wanted to see where it went. I really cared for Sam and what happened. Hmm. Um, but I, it was undermined by the, the kind of, for us, I suppose, as we, we are science fiction fans, you know, we talked about fridge logic before is if it can hold up, uh, until you get to the fridge and get a beer out, then it's, it, it's better than nothing, isn't it? It works while you're watching the film. Mm-hmm. And it's probably our experience in SF that means, okay, well, um, it, it doesn't quite make it to the fridge a lot of it. Or, it's just enough of it for you to think, hang on, and then you start questioning all of it, and it doesn't quite add up. I, I will admit that this, this is a personal failing on my part. We, we first see Sam, uh, doing exercise. And yes. my first thought was, where are the elastic straps? <laughs> yes, yeah, you it, really need the... It, it, it's not even, that, not even that you need it to stop yourself bouncing away. It's just no. it, it gives you an effective fake gravity so that, so that you maintain muscle tone. Yeah, exactly. The bone density goes away if you don't have that. I mean, the amount of exercise they have to do on the International Space Station, and it still isn't enough. Um, but... Yeah. Uh, but so it, that, of, that, that, that kind of predisposed me to, yes, I like it, but... It feels like, because of the aesthetic, uh, that almost is supposed to be like, this is serious science fiction now, and that's a short Yeah, we, we've got the little bit where the rail goes through what's clearly a pressure hatch, though we never see it actually closing. Yes. And it has has to stop and come down and hop across to the new rail and go up again. And th- this is not something we dwell on, we just we just see it in the background because it's happening. That 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 sort of thing I, I think is what Hollywood calls Hull's SF, you know, that somebody's yes. actually thought about it to make it work. Which is lovely. Yes. And it's lovely, yes. Yeah, I do appreciate that. Um but yeah, it doesn't uh, as a uh, so I guess it's fair to say we, we have to sort of adjust our minds to okay, this is actually a character piece rather than hard SF. Two point five seconds round trip. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you don't have a live conversation like that, or at least you you stop and think about what you said, and then the answer comes back to you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, he, I, there probably is film that, that would actually satisfy my level of pickiness. Um, I suspect it's 2001. <laughs> well, I'm not actually a huge fan of 2001. Uh, well, I am until the end, which is yeah. to watch in the cinema. Well, quite. Um, but I prefer I, I think, 2010, but I may be the only person on earth. I think it is very important not to try to judge the film by those standards. Ignore the people who say hardest. It is still a Hollywood film. Yes. And on that basis, it's a very good Hollywood film. And the, the character stuff is what works. Yes. And that's what, that, that is what the film is primarily about. Um, so, yes, <laughs> frankly. So we come to have you more to say about the Well, film there, there was just one shot that I wouldn't have spotted if I hadn't recently seen the film that it reminded me very strongly of, which is uh, The Wages of Fear. So we've, we've got young Sam taking old Sam out in the rover to put him back in the, in the harvester where, where he's <laughs> going to die, and it looks very like that uh, bit of Mario and dying Joe. It does, doesn't it? I, you know, I hadn't thought of that, but you're right. I mean, it could be coincidence, but I, I, I strongly suspect Duncan Jones has seen The Wages of Fear. 
Um, I think you're from, I mean, it's not amongst filmmakers, it's very popular, it was very popular at the time anyway, but mm. yeah, yeah, you're probably right, yeah. That's, and it's a nice, it's a striking visual image. And that whole thing of, I, I am the healthy guy and I'm driving and, uh, you, you are the unhealthy guy and you are lolling over in the corner and I'm trying to, talking to you to try to keep you awake and, and so on. Yeah, that's, I, I think that's a good spot, yes, very good. Consciously or unconsciously, I think there's gotta be a homage in there somewhere. Yeah. Masterpiece? I, for me, it's close because, you know, my definition of a masterpiece personally is could I watch it again from the start and still enjoy it? I, I think I probably could with me. I, I enjoy the performance a lot. So certainly it doesn't rely on you not go, not knowing what's going on for its enjoyment, which, yes. which is a great start. I, I really enjoy the character moments. Um, I feel though there's just too, I, I can forgive the odd bit of, um, missteps, but it just, uh, it doesn't make enough logical sense for me to fully invest in it in the end. Yeah, it's so damn close. <laughs> yeah, it's very close. I, I think, I more, pl- I, I think, and I think Duncan Jones hasn't done wondrous films since this because he um, did World of Warcraft. Yeah, he did Warcraft, which, I mean, I don't think it could have been good with the number of people who would want to say in how it was made. Yes. Uh, he did Source Code, which I've heard positive things about, though I haven't seen it. I think you'd feel similarly to me. Uh, he did Mute, which he regards as a spiritual sequel to this, but most people seem to have dismissed it as a bad Blade Runner ripoff. Oh well, I'd be tempted to try it. I, I have seen Source Code, which is uh, similar to this, only I prefer Sam Rockwell to um, uh, the Donnie Darko actor whose name I've forgotten. Um, but it doesn't matter. Um, I, I, it's very close, and I'd like to see more films like this. I, I remember seeing this, and this is in the era when uh, superhero films were all taking off um, and thinking, oh, this is the kind of film I like, actually. Can we have more like this? Yeah. And it, it isn't kind of the ponderous... It, it may not be dead centre, but it's not the whiz-bang action dragging the millions. Nor is it the ponderous kind of sad dad in space stuff that we seem to get in... <laughs> A lot of that more recently, yeah. And yeah. Um, uh, the Brad Pitt one, Ad Astra. I just, they just seem so portentous and ponderous. And they're all character pieces as well, but they're just so... I don't know. I haven't, I tried to watch Ad Astra, I haven't finished it. Interstellar, I liked, <laughs> but I didn't love. Uh, so I pref- I do like the aesthetic of this, and I, I like the story, and I like the acting. I like the not being talked down to, but I, it doesn't make sense, <laughs> but it doesn't make sense in a, uh, in a way that I can, I can understand rather than a, the kind of ad astras of this world. It reminded me a bit of uh, the first of the Lord of the Rings films in that my reaction when I came out of the cinema for that was, I think that is probably the best film that could have been made of this story given the present day constraints of filmmaking. Yes, okay, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, you know, you, you, you've got to keep it down to a certain length. You, you've got uh, limitations on um, how complex it can get. You definitely need more female characters than Tolkien. Frankly, I would agree. Um, all of these things are going to push it away from being a faithful representation of what Tolkien wrote. Yes. Some of them in, for the better. Um, oh, for, for this, I'd I, I think... i watch this again than The Fellowship. Yes. <laughs> um, but, you know, the, the, this was, this may be made on a small budget, but it was still made under filmmaking conditions. And mm. one, of the, one of those things you get on filmmaking conditions is nobody is ever going to read through the um, text on the screens to check for obvious misspellings. 
It, yes. Because they just gave it to the intern to say, to put something sciencey on here that, that means the ship's going to be here in 60 minutes. Right, yes. Um, things like that. Or, you know, the, the, you can't get a long distance link or whatever. Uh, no, nobody's ever going to read through that and say, hang on a minute, you, 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 there's an E in that word. <laughs> there, there may have been a science consultant um, that was perhaps not listening to this. Um, there may have been. I, I didn't see it. I, I, I understand um, that uh, Jones did talk to at least some people at NASA about habitat design and you know, what are you planning to do for a for potential moon base and things of that sort. It feels to me a bit like gravity. You know, I love the mm. aesthetic. I like the character story. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, but it's, it's not. It's not proper. It's dressed up as hard SF, but it isn't. And I don't. We have seen some hard. I mean, to me, the closest in ribbon of means we've come to true hard SF would be Primer, and that is. Um, mm. uh, Establish the conditions. Um, it, it doesn't have to be. This is true, but it has to be. This is consistent. This is consistent through the film, um, and I, I love that film too. But I would I watch that again. I would. Shame. I probably will. Yeah. But once I've forgotten this a bit more. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Moon uh, liked it a lot. Came very close. Um, not, not a masterpiece, but a damn good film. I, I mean, for a first try on a film, it's, it's pretty impressive, isn't it? Um, very mm. good. Uh, more, please, Xavier's. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs>